Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. Joining me now to break down all the market action fresh off his amazing appearance at the Singapore Fintech Festival, where we were the official radio station. Ryan Huang, how are you? Yes, I am back. That is normal Ryan's back after being uh, being swamped with Fintech <laughs> Festival festivities. I managed to catch up with my family again. So all good and I'm glad to be back again. Fantastic. How was your weekend? It was good. It was uneventful, I have to say. Not as festive as yours. Um, but what was your main takeaway, do you think, from the FinTech Festival? Yeah, so there was all the talk around AI, as you imagine. And there was this hall where they have all the different booths, right? And it's quite stark when you can see everybody's name with the word AI in it. Oh. So everybody's like tagging on with the AI bandwagon and trying to upsell itself as the next big thing. And you've got a lot of the, in some sense, the legacy technology players as well, trying to show that they are relevant and come up with new solutions, for example, in healthcare and all the different verticals by saying, hey, we've got the newest technology to be a part of this future AI landscape. So, you no, know, it's really all about AI. And then apart from technology, you've got mm. discussions around uh, regulation, the ethics around it, and all the different dynamics that come about from the intersection between finance and technology. And of course, uh, the conversations will continue on Money FM. Absolutely. In fact, today we're talking about, that's really interesting, thank you. We're talking about the future of AI and whether it's in doubt following Sam Altman's ouster. More on that in just a bit. But we start this Monday morning down on Shenton Way with a look at direct deals and corporate share buybacks. In fact, two companies are on my watch list this morning. One is in electronics, the other manufactures and sells kitchen equipment. Let's start with electronics and AEM holdings. They test semiconductors. AEM's business has been sluggish, which makes sense given that the semiconductor industry is in a down cycle at the moment. AEM shares down 6.5% since the beginning of the year, but one of its shareholders is doubling down. Who is it, Ryan? Yeah, this is the Malaysia's Employees Provident Fund Board. So they have stepped up with a further purchase in a stake in AEM Holdings. In fact, they have just crossed the 11% threshold. And this market transaction saw 564,000 plus shares being bought at $3.35 a piece. So this is, like you pointed out, doubling down. Back in June, it bought shares to cross the 10% threshold. And even though we have seen prices of the stock dropping and being a bit sluggish, AEM, or rather the... EPF from Malaysia sees value in it and it is, I suppose, snapping up what it sees as is a bargain right now. Indeed. So to recap, Malaysia's Employees Provident Fund Board has been purchasing AEM shares, average price of 335 a share. That is about 1.5% above where the stock is trading now. All right, I want to turn to U.S. markets now where the S&P 500 is flirting with its quickest comeback from correction territory in 10 years. A little over two weeks ago, the S&P 500 fell by more than 10% from its peak. Now, on average, stock market corrections last four months, but this time it looks like it could pull out of the correction in 
just a couple of weeks. And if it manages to do so before Wednesday, this will be the index's quickest recovery in 10 years. What do you think is likely to gain ground over the next couple of days in order to do this? I mean, what is the market narrative over in the US looking like? Yeah, that's a great question. So let's define a correction first. And this is where when it drops at least 10% below its prior peak. And then to get out of it, you need to go up above at least 10% before the lows. So that's what we have. And then you have what's right now. Uh, potentially, the S&P 500 coming back pretty much in its shortest time span in history. So you've got a bit of a potential catalyst with the NVIDIA earnings coming through. And if you put things into context, NVIDIA has been one of the top performers on the S&P 500. It has risen at least 240% so far this year. So if the earnings or at least the commentary comes through quite optimistically for investors to digest, then you've got more tailwinds for the markets because NVIDIA being such a huge market-driving sentiment force could steer markets higher. People could feel more optimistic, not just around NVIDIA, but also see as a bit of a bellwether for other um, type of companies. The Mm. companies that make chips as well, the companies that use chips in their space. So a bit of a barometer for the rest of the industry. Right. We'll keep an eye out on NVIDIA this week. Looking ahead, what else is on your radar for the week? Okay, so besides the earnings, we've got also in the mix... Lots of minutes to digest and among them, right at the top of the list is the FOMC mm-hmm. and you've got the ECB and also the RBA will all be closely watched. And of course, the FOMC will be watched for what's to come in terms of the December meeting. So bear in mind, the minutes are three weeks old. It describes what happened in the meeting three weeks ago where they didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so by and large, it was expected. So we shouldn't expect too many fireworks out of the minutes. But as you know, investors like to read between the lines and read the tea leaves when it comes to how many were dissenting, how many were on board on the same page. So that could lend some narrative to steer towards the next FMC meeting where there are some expectations starting to build up that we could see a rate hike to address some of the inflationary pressures. But it is still quite on the fence whether that can happen. So that could give a further signpost or road sign towards where things are playing out for the next meeting and maybe even the next year. FOMC meeting minutes, reading the tea leaves there. Fantastic insight. On the uh, Before we turn to the tech world, we really must talk about OpenAI CEO Sam Altman, who abruptly lost his job on Friday. The latest is that he's open to returning, but wants some governance changes and a statement absolving him of any wrongdoing. So let's back up a little bit. OpenAI is the company that makes ChatGPT. Its board fired Sam Altman, the CEO, reportedly over some communication issues. The company is coming under pressure, though, to bring Altman back. What's the latest, Ryan? Yeah, it is turning out to be quite a, a bit of drama. And this is interesting because you have to go back to why people are speculating Sam Altman was even fired in the first place. So apparently... Mm. The board was not comfortable with Sam Altman's attitude and what was being floated as potential reasons was how they described him as not being candid with his plan for the company. And then there was another point to the entire um, drama is how 
the recent conference where Sam Owen was talking, he painted a picture about how OpenAI would make it accessible for almost everyone to use OpenAI tools to make their own chatbots. So underlying everything is how the bot feels that OpenAI may have been advancing too fast and it might need to step on the brakes. Mm. And that means firing Sam Altman. So that's the unfortunate way it played out. And of course, it did not work out very well. The firing backfired for OpenAI's board because they apparently did not inform all the important people they needed or should have informed, including the investors, the people mm-hmm. feeding them money to keep the lights on. That includes Microsoft. So Microsoft apparently was blindsided and they are now pushing back for Sam Altman to be back on the board. And to add another layer to this, Sam Altman was fired and then he kind of left the building. He has his own followers. So the co-founder, Greg Brockman, also left and alongside many other staff loyal to Sam Altman. Oh. So you have a scenario where Sam Altman could effectively set up another OpenAI version 2 to become a competitor, right? So they are pretty much back to square one. They are not putting the brakes on anything. Open the AI conversation or the progress will continue with or without them. So you have so many layers, investors being unhappy, mm. a potential competitor, and then now the board is under pressure to bring Sam Altman back in just the span of a few days. So that's what's happening. And you mentioned um, Sam Altman might want a few changes. And this is the strange or unusual structure of OpenAI. So it was set up as a non-profit to progress the um, research and advancement of AI. But along the way, they set up a profit, a for-profit organization or unit. So that takes in the money from the likes of Microsoft and so on. Mm. So on that front, they are under pressure to deliver at a faster pace, to Mm. monetize it, so to speak, to commercialize. And they have been very successful on that front. So there is this tension there between the non-profit part as well as the profit part. So that is something they will have to work out. Now, what is the sweet spot for OpenAI? And so along with that push to crank out new products faster and faster comes even more disagreements over the safety of uh, using AI in such products. This move towards, you know, uh, Sam Altman trying to bring this nonprofit into the business world. I'm, I was a subscriber. I have cancelled my subscription. Why? The board needs to sort itself out. So cancel in protest. <laughs> yeah. Sort yourself out. Almond's dismissal is really highlighting a split in the AI space between two camps. So one group saying AI research should be slowed to prevent potentially catastrophic harm. Another group believes AI should be allowed to develop faster. Altman says he is a centrist in the debate. Now, in the meantime, OpenAI's president resigned soon after Altman was fired. The new interim CEO is Mira Murarty. She was OpenAI's chief technology officer. Some say there's going to be more shakeups on the board. Uh, Murarty expected to leave if uh, the, the other group in this campaign ends up, you know, being able to affect the sort of board changes that they want. What else do we know about her in particular, CEO Mira Murati? Uh, In short, quite an impressive CV. So I'll just focus on where she's been with OpenAI. So she started with the Applied AI and Partnerships Division as Vice President, Hmm. then promoted to CTO about two years ago. And then she led the work on ChatGPT. So she knows the stuff behind the product. So she would, of course, be quite well suited to be CEO. And like you pointed out, she would then possibly have to think twice whether she's going to be a welcome figure if 
Sam Altman returns. Uh, she has a degree in mechanical engineering from Dartmouth College mm-hmm. and she works as an intern at Goldman Sachs. So she's got a bit of a mix of both the finance world as well as the tech world. Uh, she even spent some time at Tesla. So she kind of knows the startup world quite well. Mm-hmm. So that is who the interim CEO is for now as we talk for now being the keyword. <laughs> uh, contracts and words are being exchanged. Maybe Sam Altman could be back by the time we chat again tomorrow morning. <laughs> Good point. Now, you mentioned something a little earlier that I want to pick up on. Microsoft being blindsided. So, Microsoft has invested a huge amount of money, about $10 billion US dollars in open AI. You'd think that they would have been given advance notice of Altman's termination. They were all of one minute. Yep. You heard me right. They received one minute's notice before the media release went out. So what does this turmoil or uncertainty at the top of OpenAI, Ryan, mean for Microsoft? Yeah, as a business, you want certainty. You You get what you're paying for. You know what's going to happen next quarter, the next few quarters, the next few years. You need a game plan and you can't afford as a listed company especially to have all these uh, blind spots. So that's where I think Microsoft is going to take take things a bit more seriously, right? What's going to change? And they are likely to push forward as one of the biggest investors, a board seat. Like they want to know what's going on behind the scenes and be able to control the steering wheel to some extent. So they are likely to push for a seat at the board and then even more perhaps decide who is going to be next CEO and then the co-CEO, a succession plan of sorts. So that they don't have any more drama on that front because they need OpenAI to be successful and just to fly off. They, in that sense, need OpenAI to be more open. So that's (laughs) um, the entire irony, right? OpenAI has not been very open. The board's not been open. Why they even fired Sam Altman and they accused Sam Altman of not being open and not being candid with his own plans. So we've got that Wow. Uh, entire distraction they can afford not to do without. Yeah, yeah, a lot of drama. We'll keep an eye out on OpenAI, of course, as the story unfolds for you. All right, it is time for corporate news, and we do it up or down style. Let's look at Alibaba. All right, Alibaba is going to be a down for me for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is uh, because of the shelving of plans to spit up its um, or spin off its cloud unit. And then you've got Jack Ma adding a bit more salt to the wound. And this is where he is going to be dumping or at least selling shares of Alibaba to the tune of a few hundred millions of dollars, 800 plus millions. And this is going to put more pressure likely on the share price of Alibaba in the coming days. And already... The market value of Alibaba is down $21 billion after suspending that IPO. Goodness me, I join you in that down call. Uh, So Alibaba has scrapped plans to spin off its cloud computing division and that saw its share price initially plunging nearly 10% on the news over in Hong Kong. Let's look at Volvo. All right, Volvo is interesting. Um, They are down because Geely is also cutting its stake. So this is where shares of Volvo are down to a record low, falling as much as 14% last Friday. And mm-hmm. China's GD is its majority shareholder. So people read into it and think, hey, maybe it's a vote of confidence that it's time to take some profit. Mm, when the parent company moves and sells shares, many people's eyebrows raise. So Volvo did even worse than Alibaba on Friday and its shares tumbled as much as 14% on news that its Chinese parent owner, uh, Zhejiang 
Geely has been selling off Volvo shares. So that is a down. Let's look at Rolls-Royce. I would go with a down because of what's being said in public. So you've got Emirates Airline President Tim Clark at Dubai Air Show last week. Uh, so he came out to criticise engines, jet engines of Rolls-Royce. And this, of course, not great optics for Rolls-Royce. And I will go down on the basis. Yeah, I join you there as well. So Emirates Airline President Tim Clark really took a shot at Rolls-Royce. This was in Dubai. It was at an air show. It happened last week. And Clark said that Rolls-Royce's engines are not performing well and that Emirates will not be buying them until improvements are made. Now, that should be a down, but investors don't seem to care, though. Rolls-Royce's shares are trading at a 52-week high. But what's ahead? Well, thank you very much. She's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin talking about AI. We're going to look at AI-powered trading in a Singaporean whose algorithm has gained over 2,000 users, trading volume of just $18 billion. Not bad in the span of a year. CEO and co-founder of Lay's Trader talks to me about AI-powered trading. That's coming up at 10.05. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.